Hey yo yo yo, what's up everybody? It's Sabo with the Badass Asian Dudes and we got another beautiful episode for you today. But before we jump into this episode with Rob Wang, we gotta do the sponsored ad read. So first off, we got Burner Lab. Burner Lab creates some of the dopest cannabis accessories out there. They are the makers of the Alpha Pen. They are the makers of the stick and the armor. They also got a fully biodegradable shredder out there. So go to BurnerLab.com, B-R-N-R-L-A-B.com and enter the code B-A-D at checkout and get 15% off. Next, we have Neuro Mints and Gum. Refresh your state of mind with functional gum and mints that energize, calm, and focus you in the moment. So go to GetNeuro.com and get 15% off with the code BAD15. Last but not least, we got the Emotion Dojo. This is a virtual gym membership for the heart and souls of Asian men. If you've had your mixed culture or toxic masculinity impact how you manage and communicate your emotions, whether as a leader in the workspace or as a partner in your relationship, join the brotherhood of growth-minded male-identifying Asians who are working on their emotional intelligence and fulfillment in life. This isn't therapy. It's better. Learn more at bit.ly backslash emotion dojo and enter the code BADASS to get a two-week free trip. Okay, for this week, we have Rob Wang coming on the podcast. Rob Wang is a relationship coach, and we are going to talk about all things relationship-oriented, how to build confidence, how to become just a better person. Anyways, you're going to want to listen to this entire podcast. Let's go. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Sabo Shen of the Badass Asian Dudes, and this week, we got another great podcast. And this podcast, we're going to be focusing on relationships with Asian American males. Well, maybe not just Asian American males, Asian males. And this week, I got a really awesome guest and he is an expert. And what makes him an expert? Well, first of all, his name is Rob Wong. If you guys don't know, Wong is king in Chinese. So having that last name, that must be saying something about him. But in addition to his last name, he is also a sex and relationship coach. Or actually, I don't know about the sex part, but he is a relationship coach. Maybe he can teach me a thing or two about sex. We'll jump into that a little bit later. But Rob, welcome to the Badass Asian Dudes podcast. Hello. It's good to be here, finally. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, when I do intros, I'm always trying to make my guests laugh at least a little bit. And, um, you know, so before we begin, actually, did I describe what you do accurately? Or do you want to just kind of give the audience a little bit more of an accurate representation of what type of coaching you actually do? Yeah, sure. I mean, like anytime we try to like condense it down to a couple of words, I think that something gets lost in translation. But what it essentially boils down to is I help men who feel like boring, overlooked or invisible begin to show up with more of their full personality. So if they feel like they're shutting down around people, around their bosses, around investors, we go through how to bring that out so they show up as a person with confidence and charisma. And that has a lot of application in sex and dating, of course. Yes, confidence and charisma. Man, these are two topics that I really want to dive into. But before we dive into these, so every time we have a new guest come on the show, which I guess is every guest at this point since we are pretty new podcasts, We like them to define, what does being a badass Asian dude mean to you, Rob? You know, um, I like this question because I feel like my answer has changed over time. And I (laughs) I think initially what that meant to me was being as ninja as possible. And that's, that's been a goal for me for a really long time. 
I wanted to learn martial arts and to ride motorcycles and be covered in tattoos and do parkour. And I do those things. But lately, I think what it's begun to mean to me is having the strength of character to say what you actually believe and say what you actually feel in the face of people who might disagree. And rather than buckling or bending to what's expected, we double down on who we are. Mm, dude, I really love that. And just for um, everyone listening, level one to being a badass Asian dude is actually becoming a ninja. So it's you true. do need to have those shoes. You do need to have, be stealthy. You do need to know how to sneak up on people and slit their throat. But phase two is what you were talking about kind of like this internal development, right? And I really like that. It's like kind of like double downing on your own opinion. And what was that last thing that you said? It was actually such a beautiful uh, line. I hope you can remember it because I remembered it and I did that really bad ninja joke and forgot what it was. I also forgot. So if you're listening right now, maybe rewind 30 seconds because that was pretty off the cuff. Yes, yes. So you guys, you are on your Android phones. You guys are on your smartphones. Just hit that like 15 second rewind. Do it three times. Avoid that ninja joke. And let's jump into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. All right. So, um, hey, it's no secret to anyone that's been listening. Like we've had a lot of like really great people come on. There's been a lot of entrepreneurs uh, coming on over the last few weeks telling their origin stories. But you know what? I want to get a little bit deeper beyond just professional success, let's figure out what's making us tick. So, you know, before we jump into the questions I really want to ask you, you know, let's talk a little bit about your origin story. So I don't see a lot of Asian coaches in your field. How did you become a relationship coach? Mm. Well, I think like it started with like the first time that I tried to like talk to a girl that I thought was interested in me. And so this is this is still embarrassing to talk about, even though it comes up like relatively frequently. But like, so I turn around and the way I decide to introduce this conversation is like, like teasing her for liking me. And immediately, like without hesitation, her reaction is like, ew, you think I like you? And then it was like, oh, shit, I guess I'm ugly then. Like, I, And I carried that belief around with me for like most of my adult life and is just like trying to make up for it. Um, so, you know, I did what any other guy would do and I just started doing research and it's like, oh, well, there's this whole pickup artist movement. Let's let's do that. And so I was like trying to learn how to read body language. I was trying to memorize lines that I thought were clever or like learn how to be more James Bond. Yeah, and like all the stuff about posture, mirroring, eye contact, winning friends and influencing people. I digested and deployed and there was still something missing. I still felt like creepy and weird. Women couldn't wait to just like seemingly just make up an excuse to go to the bathroom or leave the conversation. It was just like embarrassing. But more than that, it was kind of empty. Like I remember not feeling much of anything, not having much meaningful connection and being like profoundly lonely. And even when I got into a relationship after two years, it would feel like I was just going through the motions and then I'd break it off. And it's like, there's something wrong. It feels like there's a piece of my brain that just never developed. And there's this wall between me and other people. And I just don't know how to do any of that. And I, I think that 
I think what I didn't realize at the time and what I only came to realize later because I reached like this suicidal depression, like it's just like life is empty. Uh, I can't connect with anyone. I can't feel better. So, you know, if this is the best life has to offer, I might as well just end it, you know. And what I didn't see was that if if you spend your entire life trying to avoid feeling things, eventually you succeed. And I kind of saw how my inability to express emotions around people, my inability to let down my wall around people. Um, I, I used to I used to joke that like emotions came from ovaries and I thought it was hilarious. But then I would get into relationships and I was hoping the other person would make me happy. But I was shoving away my emotions so no one could make me happy. And coming out of that and realizing that, hey, there's there's another way to do this and it doesn't have to suck so badly. Um, that's kind of what I want to bring to the table because I see where the other road goes and it's pretty it's pretty grim. Yeah, yeah. So if I could kind of just repeat uh, what you just said and summarize it, it was that um, you had first utilized some of the same techniques that a lot of us when we were younger utilized, which is, hey, you know, there's kind of like this pickup artist community. There's this framework of ways that we can attract the types of mates that we want. And you had implemented these and with some success, but you know, what you realized was just getting the girl's attention or being in a relationship, that was one part of it. But if you're not actually emotionally connected to the person, then it's still kind of like a, a feeling of emptiness. And, you know, maybe the best analogy is like, if you eat junk food, it kind of feels like you're satiating your hunger, but you are satiating that hunger, but you're actually not getting like the true nutrition or the true mm -hmm. emotional connection that humans desire. Is that a accurate summation? That feels right. Like, I think it, and to, to expound on that too, like I think it goes beyond just the relationship connection like my experience of life up until that point was pretty, pretty level. Like I would say there weren't that many ups and downs, but I was probably like just low grade depressed and lonely for the most of it. Um, but in going into the territory of just expressing who I am, just expressing what I believe, expressing the stuff that I don't want to share, I found that embracing that and emotions really had like all the color come rushing back into my life. It felt like I was alive again for the first time. And sometimes I get a little sad thinking about how it was before that. Because, you know, I was just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. And, you know, um, I know there were some other topics that we wanted to jump into um, on this podcast, but I did want to just kind of hang out here for a little bit in that. Okay. So, you know, I guess you were picking up these skills to attract women and then you realize that there was something deeper that was missing which was this emotional connection to other people and maybe even to yourself and you know i could really empathize with this and what i wanted to ask you was you know like there are a lot of people that are listening right now that i'm speaking to today as well that you know are, are kind of like aware that they don't have like the emotional intelligence that they need and they want to jump into it. And like, 
you know, kind of most high performing Asian men, it's like, they're like, all right, I want to like study this stuff as hard as possible and get as good at it as quickly as possible, you know? And, you know, like the reason why I wanted to ask you this was when I did the first summary, you were like, Hmm, that feels right to me. Right. Like I could already tell, like most Asian men would have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. Or I think that sounds right. But instead you use the adjective that feels right. Right. So in my head, I was like, oh shit, this is great. You know, like Rob's really transformed himself from this guy that was like very logical and intellectual. He's really picked up on all of these like emotional intelligence and things that are important to uh, have in relationships, really embodied them. And you know, that's the one thing that I think a lot of people right now that are listening and that are curious, that want to improve their emotional intelligence is how do I go from just intellectually understanding these things to actually feeling these things, especially as like you said, you know, like when you look back at your earlier life, you're like, man, I was kind of going through the emotions, you know, I didn't even realize that I wasn't processing all these things. And once you're kind of awake to this, you know, like I said, once I became awakened to this, you know, I wanted to be that guy that just read every book on emotions and emotional intelligence and really try to absorb them and then become as emotionally advanced as I could be. And ultimately, you know, I started hitting walls with that strategy. So Mm -hmm. I was curious, you know, can you talk a little bit of like how you transform from being in your head to someone that could really feel all these feelings? Yeah, I, I think that's a really great question because I think that's also the most challenging part. Um, that dividing line between what I logically know I want to do and then like the emotional breach of like fear and not being able to do it. Um, So I think that the best way to begin approaching this is to start asking the question, what am I afraid of saying right now? What am I sitting on? What am I holding back on? And it doesn't mean that you just go then and like talk about like how you're thinking about your dick in like the middle of a conversation, but you begin (laughs) to take like small risks like, hey, I feel a little nervous right now. And then you see what happens. And then over time, our brains are looking for evidence that it's safe if I be me. And that's all you're doing. You're providing yourself with little experiences so that your concept of self can begin to shift. So at first it's like, I'm someone who takes small risks with saying what's on my heart. Later on, it becomes a natural part of who you are. Um, And there will be a point in time where it feels weird when you're not being truly yourself. It'll feel like sticky or weird or gross. And uh, that'll be your first indicator that you've made the shift over. But I think it it really has to start with one, dropping the fake it till you make it thing, because that's counterproductive here. You're, You're looking for what's authentic to you. And then two dropping any expectations of suddenly being able to do it. Like you won't be able to go and deliver like a moving speech filled with passion and emotion your first day. It'll probably be like, oh, he's got a little bit more personality and that's perfect. Yeah, I like that. You know, it, it, it reminds me of, you know, like the methodology that you use to teach kids how to swim, right? You don't throw them into the deep end. You start them off in the kiddie pool. You know, they're like, okay, my feet could touch the bottom. I'm not drowning. I have a little bit of confidence and then you take them a little bit further every time until they don't realize like, wow, you know, I'm actually swimming already. Right. And I'm curious, you know, um, I know probably you'll say you're still working on it, but you know, (laughs) how long did this transition take for you? 
Mm. And by transition, you mean going from like logical to like being in touch with the emotional, charismatic, deep connection side? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I'm more kind of, you know, just putting myself in the shoes of our audience right now listening because, you know, I'm assuming most of the people listening to this podcast either want to be like a badass Asian dude for, you know, entrepreneurial things, or they want to live a more balanced life, or they want to get more in touch with their feelings. But one thing I do know, based on all the messages that we do get is everyone wants to do this stuff as quickly as possible, right? You know, <laughs> one of them is like, teach me how to meditate as quickly as possible. And I'm like, Medi- this is actually the exact wrong attitude you need to come into for like learning how to meditate, right? It's not as quickly as possible. So, you know, I always like to like kind of like set set expectations for when people are listening to these things, because I do know a lot of people are kind of like, all right, well, I just listened to this cool podcast with this cool guy named Rob King. I mean, Rob Wong and this other kind of nasally sounding Asian guy, Sabo, and they said to do X, Y, Z. And now I'm not seeing any results. So this obviously might not must must not work, right? These are just some things that these guys talked about. It worked for them, not for me, right? So what I'm really kind of coming back to is especially like in this culture that I believe where like instant gratification is like so important is really kind of laying the framework like, hey, guys, like this is really hard work. It takes a lot of time. You're going to get a lot of benefit out of it, but you know, just know this isn't like something, like you said, you don't just all of a sudden change your mind and you could give like these passionate speeches, right? It's more like, yeah, you change your mind and you have slightly more personality to your speech than you did yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot to say here. So first, I'm just going to directly answer your question. And then I have some additional thoughts. But for me, it took me about two or three years. Um, but I'm going to also explain why it's worth the trade off. Because a lot of times I think the focus, especially like I have a marketing background. So I know what sells is get it instantaneously, do it in seven days, put in as little effort as possible. Now with a lot of marketing, the idea is to get you to buy and then to have you to continue to take action. They're trying to sell what you want and then deliver what you need. Um, so even if you buy into a short-term program, you won't see results until you go for the longer term. But what you do get in terms of results is the mindset that everyone keeps on talking about. It's all about mindset. You just got to shift your mindset. That mindset is earned over time. But when you do have it, you have the experience of yourself being confident in any situation. The idea, I am good with people. I don't need to prepare for an interview. I can just go talk to a woman and she'll reciprocate and love me. You'll fall back on that mindset every, every day. And it will serve you continuously. You won't have to put any effort into being that person. It's just who you are. That's the kind of ridiculous new baseline that becomes available. But you also have to be willing to put in the work and understand that you cannot just read books in order to shift your mindset. You cannot just try to meditate. That helps too. You can't, you can't get on a coaching call. You can't do affirmations to shift your mindset. You need to give your brain the experience of being that person first. And that comes with time and effort and it, pushing yourself into territory where you are not comfortable. I think that part is critical too. Yeah. Yeah. And you brought this up in your previous answer. What I really liked, it was like, you need to give yourself evidence that you can be this slowly, you know, bite-sized little pieces of evidence. And, 
And, you know, and that's what I found in almost every case when I think about my own life was like, when I made these changes, it wasn't like nothing happened. And then one day I, I woke up and I was like, oh, wow, you know, check out this change. I, I went from a caterpillar to a butterfly. It was always like, you know, I could kind of see all these things kind of incrementally building. And then maybe there was like one thing at the end that really kind of like pushed me over the edge. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I really love this methodology. And I really wanted to kind of just double down on this because for a lot of people, especially when I look at marketing today, you're absolutely correct. You know, they want to, you know, there's like the four hour work week or six minute abs, right? It's like, like, yeah, you know, like, shit, if this was really as implementable as it makes it seem, then we would all be like wearing a crop tops showing off our abs and <laughs> we would all be working four hours a week, right? Like it's not that simple. So I appreciate you sharing that. And the next thing I kind of wanted to jump in um, and talk to you about was uh, what we were talking a little bit about offline, you know, um, and I closed every single browser uh, because I wanted the best internet connection. So now that little quote that I was about to quote is not here, but <laughs> I know, I know the gist of it. You know, it was about how you were a overlooked Asian man and how you turned that into one of your advantages, right? That was kind of like the gist of the quote, I believe, I believe now that I see you thinking, maybe I remembered it slightly incorrectly, but well, Hey, we were talking about that earlier. Why, why don't you kind of set the stage for this next uh, section where we're going to talk about some of the things that maybe we perceived as one of our disadvantages that actually turned out to be an advantage for you in the dating world. Yeah, sure. Um, before I jump into that, I think uh, there's one thing that I do want to add in that, hey, it might be a two-year journey for you. It might be shorter, but also understand that you don't have to be perfect at any of this in order to be good. Like, you don't, you don't have to be at, like, the Tony Robbins level to be a successful, charismatic person or great with women. You just need a little piece of that. And it's great if you go further. Like, it'll continue to give you advantages. But I think the thing that's, like, really, really punishing for a lot of folks, especially for me, is the idea that I have to master this before I can see results. And that's just not true. And to answer your question, what's something that overlooked Asian men can hey, do? Hey, like, hey, hey. Just, just, just real quick before we yeah. jump into that, you know, I just wanted to thank you for adding that part because, you know, there's a part of what we're doing here where, you know, we're always talking about like bettering ourselves and, you know, becoming like this better version of ourselves in the future. But a lot of it, I believe, you know, and maybe this is just my own philosophy is like, man, you know, like if you can't love yourself today, it's really hard to love yourself tomorrow, you know, and having a certain amount of self-acceptance of like, Hey, maybe I'm not the most emotionally intelligent person right now, but that's still okay because my trajectory is moving in an upwards direction. And yeah, maybe we're not Tony Robbins right now, but do we ever need to be Tony Robbins? Maybe if we just have a little bit more inflection in our voice, that's good enough. So people could, not think of us as robots, but actually know when I'm happy versus being sad. And ultimately, you know, one of the things that I really like to think about, because I have all these like really great dreams, and many of these dreams I've hit is, you're absolutely right. When you hit those dreams too, you expect like this like peak experience, but typically that peak experience lasts for an hour, yeah. maybe even a day, maybe a week if you're super lucky, but then it goes back to like normal baseline. And that's when you're left with yourself like, well, do I accept myself for reaching that peak goal or 
do I just accept myself for who I am right now? Yeah, it, I, I've heard the same thing reflected about money. Like I was listening to a, a YouTube, a YouTube, God, I sound so old. I was listening <laughs> to like a video and the, these guys were like, what, one of the guys there is, makes like 100K a month, just like ridiculous, crazy goddamn money. And they were talking about how like after 20K a month, that's really, really all you need in order to reasonably buy everything that you'd want in life. And they were saying like, well, you just make a new game. You go to 50, then 100, then 200 every month. But they were saying that once they hit those goals, that was immediately replaced with the sense of emptiness. I reached this goal like crap, what do I do next? And with women and attraction and relationships, it's really easy to go the same way. Um, like I, I hit that goal for myself. Like, I don't know, like earlier this year, like I'm, I'm good with women now. And I also realized that that wasn't the thing that made me happy. So yeah, they're like, they're different skill sets for sure. Yeah. 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 That was really cool. So, okay. Let's jump into the next thing that we were going to talk about. So you actually have like, such a great voice for like radio and podcasting. I almost want to just have you take over because it just sounds like so soothing and melodious in my earphones right now. So let's set the stage for this next thing that we're going to talk about. Take it over, Dr. Rob. Okay. Welcome to your ASMR video. I'll be your host, <laughs> Rob Wong. And uh, so we're talking about like, how do we turn like being perceived as an Asian guy into an advantage. Like what, what, what are we bumping into here and how can we use our natural strengths here to really accelerate our growth? So I'm going to start off with the strengths. Um, and I think that what's built into Asian culture is this natural self-criticism. Like we're like merciless with ourselves <laughs> uh, to like, to the point that like, we don't want to acknowledge what we've done correctly. Right. But this comes and real in. quick, not, not to interrupt you, but <laughs> my wife will tell you that I still walk up to her and tell her, man, I don't think I'm working hard enough, you know? <laughs> and she'll be like, dude, you, you run three companies. You have this side hustle, you're parenting, you're, you're podcasting. Like, what do you mean you're not working hard enough? But I'm like, you're right. But I need her to like, kind of remind me because my kind of knee jerk reaction is like, well, it's 1 p.m. on a Friday. Shouldn't I be working on stuff right now? <laughs> yeah, the same thing. And that's going to come in, to your advantage. Um, so much of this work is seeing like, where am I getting stuck? What pattern can I be responsible for? So say that I don't like that people don't pay attention to me, that they just talk over me, that when I have a conversation with me, uh, when they have a conversation with me, they're just like yapping, like 20 minutes of talking. Well, then I can turn that process inward and see where I can be responsible for that. What am I trying to avoid? What do I get to escape? Am I uncomfortable interrupting people? Am I uncomfortable asking for a higher percentage of interaction or having them ask me more questions? And for me, I found that that was very true. But because I'm already naturally very self-critical, it's easy for me to take those situations and look to see how can I be responsible? How can I grow from this? Um, so I think that's what we have to our advantage. And it's a really, it's a really big one. A lot of people aren't willing to look and be responsible for where I've created my own pain. Now where we shoot ourselves in the foot, and this isn't your fault, but this is like a cultural thing is like, <laughs> 
there's like this this discouragement for like any men to express any emotions at all, right? And so I know the natural reaction here is like, oh, emotions, I gotta go. Like I gotta like, mm -hmm. and and if you listen for like the next thirty seconds, I'll explain why this is important. Because when you and I think about a relationship, like we think about a relationship where we want to go and like tear the other person's clothes off. We want to be like obsessed with this person. We want to be so happy when they're around us. We want to have romantic moments, right? We want the care, the love, the tenderness, the support, the intimacy. And then we reject the emotions. But you got to get that, hey, what we're looking for in the relationship is the emotions. We want to feel mm -hmm. all of those things. So if you have the ability to create those emotions with people, then you have the entire attraction process figured out. That's what everyone's looking for in a relationship. We want a deep, meaningful connection that moves us to tears, that we're excited to talk about, that we're excited to participate in. And notice that all of those are emotions too. And if I can't feel emotions, then other people aren't going to feel emotions from being around me. And that's where we get screwed because no one wants to date a secretary. No one wants to go and be like in a relationship with a butler. It's just like being really polite and offering to get you water. No, like that's, that's not what you want. Right. Right. Feel things. So that's, that's where we get stuck. Uh, and there's so much programming because it's not only just Asian culture, right? We're naturally like stoic. I remember being really proud of having my stone face, but it's also American culture. So we've got two layers. It's, it's girly and weak to have emotions. You can't show those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, you had spoken a little bit earlier about like, you know, early uh, when you learned the pickup artist techniques and then um, you started dating girls and then you still had like this feeling of emptiness. A at what point were you or at what point did you stop having those types of relationships and then get into like these more richer, more fulfilling relationships? And then you yourself, like, were you able to notice like, hey, I'm able to give more emotions and I'm able to receive more emotions. And I'm actually asking this not for our audience. I'm more asking for myself because, you know, I've been married now for how long has it been? 12 years. And Dang. I've always been like super curious, like, you know, what dating is like today, you know, especially with like online dating. Like to me, it seems very attractive that I don't have to go to a bar and I could just like look on my phone and find people with similar interests. But yeah, you know, like I always wondered like how much, like I never actually, I never had a girlfriend longer than six months till I married my wife. And I kind of take the blame for just being like so emotionally not there for people that, you know, people didn't want to be in relationships with me for longer than six months. And my wife just actually put up with a lot of this stuff. So props to her while I picked up more skills. But yeah, you know, I always wondered like, how much of a better boyfriend could I have been if I was actually emotionally present in these relationships? Yeah, what's crazy is like I have female clients too, and they're all looking for longer term relationships. But the thing I hear over and over again is like they're at demand for this. Every woman that I've talked to wants a guy who is capable of being with her emotions and expressing them. Um, and I think an earlier question that you'd asked was like, when did that transition happen or, or why? And what was the difference? And I, I think one of the major ones was being willing to be imperfect in a relationship. So I'm willing to be not on top of it all the time. I'm willing to allow myself to make mistakes 
and to say stupid things every once in a while and then just call it out like, oh, that was that was dumb. <laughs> and that becomes another piece of personality that people respond to. Um, and because I began letting down those walls, more of me was allowed to come out. And those, those are the human bits that we're all looking for. Uh, we aren't looking for perfection. Sometimes things are too perfect. I don't want to date an android. I want to date someone with an actual personality that like makes mistakes sometimes. Um, that's what personality is. Everything else is just kind of polite. And, and once I let go of that stuff, yeah, like deeper connection was there. I started feeling way more fulfilled. But up until that point, I was in like serial, like two-year relationships. I'd make it deep enough that the new relationship chemicals would fade off. And then it'd be like, oh shit, like what am I doing? I'm, I'm just going through the motions again. I feel like I'm settling. And it happened so many times that eventually it was like, shit, it's me. It's me. It's not the people I'm dating. It's me. It has to be. I'm the only common denominator here. Only took you a full decade and five relationships to figure that out. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, all, all kidding aside, you know, um, one of the things that I did really like um, what you said was, and let me try to remember, because, man, I got to stop telling these bad jokes as it really throws off my train of thought of what was actually really important. So you're talking about the dating, uh, not being emotionally there, then being emotionally there. Oh, man, Sabo, come on, let the brain work. Um, okay, well, you know what? I bet you it's going to come back like at like 50 minutes into the podcast. So at least we'll we'll end with that like really great idea that I had. But let's just actually um, keep going along what you're talking about here about these things that you had actually thought were were potentially, you know, things that would scare off mates, but, you know, were actually attract uh, turned out to be attractive for them. Um, you want to kind of continue down that path because I think we were at number two of the things that you were going before I interrupted you. And actually, when you talked about, oh, I remember what it okay. is now. So okay. you, you, you talked about um, like one of the first stages was actually allowing yourself to be imperfect in front of um, your girlfriend, right? And the reason why that really resonated with me was, you know, when my wife met me, um, I had really started like kind of like my professional ascension, you know, I had just gone from director to VP. And then after that, I started my own companies. And, you know, the story I kept telling myself in my head was that my wife loves me because I know how to get shit done. And I know how to take care of any type of situation. And I used to get like super duper stressed out. And she would always vent to me about like what happened at work. But I would never vent to her because I didn't want her to think like I was a guy that couldn't handle mm. whatever was going on at work. That's right. And ultimately, um, after we went to therapy and I was able to be more vulnerable and tell her like, yeah, you know, work is crushing me or like, you know, like, I don't know what's happening. I need help. It wasn't only that, like, you know, she finally saw me for who I was, but she actually was more attracted to that version of me that could ask for help. So it was like very counterintuitive to me because like I said, the story I told myself in my head was that she's attracted to me because I know how to get shit done. She's attracted to me because when I face adversity, I find solutions. And well, these were just the stories that I told myself and it wasn't actually the reality of what was going through her head. And you know that was a positive reinforcement that I needed to see, oh, wow, when I allow myself to really be myself, 
I gain so much more from that situation or experience. Yeah, Mark Manson talks about this in models. And I think that you might appreciate this about how many women take your vulnerability, your willingness to talk about failures as strength. It's more attractive because you have the courage to do it. Whereas someone who feels that they need to be perfect all the time occurs as someone who has something to lose. I need to cover up all these mistakes or I'll be in trouble. Whereas someone who's open with it is like, there's this perception that mm, I'm not in danger. I'll just talk about it and it'll be fine. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really important point. Yeah. I, I think too that like vulnerability is at the heart of what makes attraction actually work. Um, again, it's all about strong emotions. And if I'm not creating situations where strong emotions are there, I'm not talking about what's going wrong in my life or things that I'm not happy with, not only do I get to bottle them up and be upset about it for longer, I'm missing out on an opportunity to have a deeper relationship with someone. Like, yeah. it, it's not an accident that we happen to be the better friends with people who have suffered with this, right? Like, that's how hazing works. That's how, like, if you've been with someone for a long enough time, you've been through some shit together, and now you're really close. But it's because, you know, there's been some distress in the relationship. You've had that moment of emotional bonding and vulnerability. Yeah, it's so counterintuitive to, th to think that, you know, at least for me, it was so counterintuitive that it's actually more courageous to, to be vulnerable and talk about these things than it is to just stuff them down and act like you have everything taken care of. And that's actually when I was younger, you know, that's what I was taught was like, hey, Sabo, like, when you have these problems, like the best thing you should do, is just stuff them down and go to work and get <laughs> stuff done. So I was like, I was like, okay, that's what I need to do. And ultimately, man, like after the age of 35, these things would just kind of like percolate up. Like I couldn't stuff them down. They would always come up at like the worst times. And my wife would be like, why'd you explode at the family gathering? And I'd be like, I don't know. I guess I have some feelings I need to process before family gatherings again. Uh, oh man, dude, we're already at the 45 minute mark, dude. We are, see, these are awesome podcasts. Okay. So let's keep going actually. So, uh, you know, and I've, I've also become super self-conscious of interrupting you because in one of the things there was kind of like this, like uh, you were talking about like, yeah, how come I'm not uh, comfortable enough to interrupt this person just talking? And then I was thinking, man, I'm way too comfortable interrupting people while they're talking. So <laughs> let me hand the microphone back to you, Dr. Rob, and let, let's finish off this uh, little stream of consciousness we were talking about when it comes to looking at potentially over or, or qualities in men that we think maybe um, have women overlook us, but in actuality are, are maybe dating superpowers. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think, I think the whole overlooked thing is sort of like, it's a bit of a dodge. It's like, if I'm overlooked, it's because I'm not taking the risk of putting myself out there. Um, so am I, am I sharing about the stories that I'm embarrassed about? And, and I'm, I'm noticing in this interview that I'm, I'm not sharing about the stories that are there in the background for me. Um, but yeah, I'm doing all the sharing. You need right. to share yeah. the story. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to an example later, but, um, if you feel overlooked and boring 
odds are that you are not taking enough risks with sharing what you actually feel or believe. So like, what's your controversial view? And mine is that I, I would rather be fully authentically myself and get matched with fewer people, get rejected by more people than to have to pretend. And I think that there's this piece of like, well, okay, say I managed to attract someone by pretending to be Sabo. First of all, the best I can do is be a subpar version of Sabo. I can follow everything that he says. I can copy his body language. I can shave my head and then launch three businesses and have a pretty easy time doing it, right? But I'm going to be shit at it. It's not really me. I, I'm just pretending to be him. So n now I've limited my potential. But then say that someone falls in love with me because I'm pretending to be Sabo. Well, now that means I need to pretend to be Sabo for the rest of that relationship, <laughs> right? Like I never gave someone a chance to fall in love with me. I just have this mask and I put it out for people. And sometimes people fall for the mask. And if I'm looking for a relationship where I don't have to put any, any work at all, if I'm looking for a relationship where it feels like this person loves me for being me, then I need to be comfortable putting out the bait of me. It can't be what is my career. Because if I'm attracting someone based off my career, that person's going to find another person with a better career. Like that's what they're motivated, right? Yeah. So your bait has to be you, your personality. Who are you? And if that's not on the line, then no one's going to come. That's that's kind of the big gap that I think a lot of that that's missing from a lot of dating education. It's all like ask people a bunch of open-ended questions and then they'll fall in love with you. That's not how that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, you know so Rob, you know like okay, so what kind of came up to me when you were saying this is that like, I mean, I guess, do you have to really know yourself first before you start dating? Because the reason why I'm asking this is, well, I know, especially like when I think about all of my failed relationships, I definitely was trying to act like someone else, you know, like, all right, who's the coolest kid at? UCLA. Oh yeah. It's that dude. Let me try to, you know, take on his persona. And it took me like a really long time to be comfortable with just my own persona. So, you know, I guess what I'm asking is in order to be part of a positive match is the prerequisite that you really know who you are as a person before you start dating. Oh yeah, like th th I think this is like so overlooked and so critical cuz like like in the beginning when I first started dating, I would I would try to ask questions about what I thought that women were into, right? Like I'd ask questions about what makeup they were using and like what shoes and where do they where do they get their shirt? Like fashion questions, right? And where that leaved well where that leaves us, where that left me was okay, well they've given me their answer. They got it from Jimmy Choo. Now I don't know where to take the conversation. I didn't care about that subject, right? So I had no interest <laughs> in it and I asked a question about it. So that's a dead end. And that's, that's inside of this idea of not really knowing myself and what I like to talk about. What am I actually interested in? I, I'll talk to you all day about rock climbing or psychology or sex. Those are interesting to me, but I can't hold a conversation when it comes to music. So I'm not going to ask questions about what you listen to. Um, and the same goes for everything else. The better you understand yourself, 
the more you also know what you're looking for. And that's the difference between coming to a date being needy um, and like hoping that this person will accept you and coming to a date and knowing, hey, what are my red flags? Uh, what do I need to avoid? Does this girl know how to deal with conflict? Is she conflict avoidant? Does she ask for stuff instead of just make like assuming that I know what's on her mind? I'm looking for those things. And that puts me in a completely different state than a lot of dudes. That's how we all start off initially, right? We want to be liked. So we try to nice someone to death. We try to fit into the whatever we think they will like the best. When the reality of it is, it's really important that you understand you and that you operate from what really feels good for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love this. Okay, so, you know, let's get a little tactical here. Like um, we talked about like a lot of high level stuff, especially me, I just paint stuff with like broad strokes, really general <laughs> statements. And then I expect you to be a little bit more specific about what did Sabo just sign me up for? So what I'm asking here is like, all right, everyone knows, hey, just be yourself, right? But man, if it was just that easy, we would all be ourselves. So how can people really start understanding like, what do I really like? You know, what really makes me tick? Um, and you know, let me just answer for myself is like, when someone first asked me this question, I was like, of course, I know what I like, of course, like I've had my whole life to know what I like. But when he asked more questions of like, why I like things, I started realizing, wait a second, this isn't <laughs> what I like. This is what, you know, like my uncle told me to like, or what my best friends like. So you know, I wanted to ask you as a coach, you know, like, what are some best practices for people to better understand, you know, what is it that I really like versus what was I influenced to like from other people? Okay, yeah, yeah. It, so it starts with never taking someone's word for it. Um, live your life, have all the experiences, do as many new things as you possibly can. And through that, you begin to discover what actually feels good for you and what you'd rather not do again. Like, I went to a rodeo. I thought it was just going to be a bunch of white drunk hicks. And it was a bunch of white drunk hicks, but it was also awesome. It was like, what would happen if you had like 14 really drunk people from the Midwest and some cows and they're like, hey, watch what I can do. And then they turned it into a show. It was great. <laughs> I would go again. But my preconceived notion of that would have stopped me from actually having that experience. And you, you just want to do that for everything. Like, what are your opinions about I'm blanking now, but yeah, like have the experience. Don't let other people decide what actually works for you. The only way that you're ever going to develop like confidence in your authority and your voice, the only way that you're going to develop a certainty about who you are is if you have the experiences that comes back to that mindset again, I've, I've, been, I've done this thing. I know my reaction to it. So if someone asks me about it, I'm going to be confident because I know how I experienced it. It's fact for me. And so I feel like confidence is kind of like a byproduct of just how well do you know you? It's, it's like an illusion. It doesn't actually exist. It's just, are you talking about facts or not? And if you're talking about stuff in theory, then it's, it's not really going to have the same kind of solidity to it that is of something that's actually based in reality. So... Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, the best anal the analogy that came to my head when you were saying this was... I watch a lot of like jujitsu videos. So I feel like, oh yeah, I'm learning all these moves. And then when I go to the gym and I'm like, I'm going to do this move to someone. Then I realize I don't really know this move. I just <laughs> read about this move and I kind of know what it is. And, you know, 
and then I kind of think about this as like all like the book reading that I do about this, that, or the other, I feel like I'm really educating myself, but until I actually put that information into action or actually have an experience with it, it doesn't really like solidify or become real within me. Right. So it sounds like to you or what it sounds like to me, what you said was like, people just need to have more experiences and not let their preconceived notions of what an experience might be deter them from having that experience. And then by going through more experiences and really paying attention to, do I enjoy being around hicks that are drunk, that are saying yeehaw? Hey, actually I do. This is cool. Sign me up for the monster truck jam, like coming up (laughs) after this, you know, and the next rodeo. Right. So yeah, I mean, um, I really like that. Do you have any more other like tactical tidbits that um, you could give our listeners that want to, you know, kind of open up in this area? Yeah. In in terms of approaching for like dating and like what you're, the way that you're interacting with people, I think that there are a number of ways to go about it. Sometimes people recommend that you sort of like talk about what's happening in the environment. Sometimes people recommend that you just straight up tell the person that you're interested in them. And I think it's very similar advice. You find all the different approaches and then you try them and then you see what actually works for you. And for me, I found that what's most effective for me is to be upfront and straightforward with it. Hey, you look cute. It feels kind of weird approaching you like this. And I wanted to have a conversation with you. And if I were to walk around and just pretend like I was interested in her coffee and start a conversation about that, it wouldn't work for me. I'd feel like I was just hiding something the entire time. Then she'd pick up on it and then she would reject me. So like, I think that it's actually to that point really important to do stuff that feels congruent. Mm-hmm. Um, the more you're trying to cover up something, the more people pick up on it. So like there's that used car salesman vibe. Like this this mother is going to try to close me. Like I, I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen eventually. But right now he's asking me about my kids and my family. And I know he doesn't care. He's just, he's just waiting. And you don't want to give off that vibe. Um, I think like so much of the upfront of dating is like how do I not put someone in their fight or flight response because when they're there uh, and they're suspicious of you or they're worried that you're going to kidnap or rape them because you've got a hidden agenda and they can smell it on you, (laughs) then there's actually no room for attraction to exist at all. Like if you're getting chased by a bear evolutionarily, it doesn't make any sense for you to stop and then bang someone because then you're going to get eaten and you die, right? Mistake. So evolutionarily, you cannot get aroused or turned on by someone if you're afraid or you're in your fight or flight response. And so with that initial approach, you want to be really careful not to give off any of those signals or have her be like concerned for her safety in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. And what I kind of keep hearing about when I think about our, our last conversation for the last hour was, you know, really being your authentic self. So you don't throw out these like weird, creepy vibes of someone that's just trying to be nice or man, I got to tell you when you talked about like asking questions where you weren't even interested in the answer, you know, one of like my early mentors was just like, Hey, Sabo, like, trust me, anytime you compliment women on their shoes, they're going to be super duper happy. And he is right. He is right. You know, when I do compliment women on their shoes, they are super happy. But (laughs) where he was wrong is I don't give a fuck about women's shoes. So when they ask me a follow up question, I'm just like, 
uh, you know, I get like trapped and frozen. And, you know, my younger dating career was, you know, I wanted to be so prepared. I would write down all these questions of kind of like, okay, like if she answers this way, I'll have like this little flow chart of questions. And yeah, so many of them weren't rooted in anything that I was interested in. So if she ever said something that wasn't part of like my preconceived plan of how this conversation would go, I would just be like, okay, I got nothing to say. And then, you know, it's like, then I guess we didn't have cell phones back then, but if we did have cell phones back then, I'm sure she would just start scrolling through Instagram or Facebook as opposed to sit there in silence with the guy who just didn't have enough questions or didn't have enough confidence to even ask her whatever I was interested in talking about. Dude, I relate to that flow chart so much. I used to try to map out how conversations would go and like, oh, she says yes, then you can move on to this thread. And like, I, I think everything that you're saying makes a lot of sense. Um, man, there was a point that I wanted to bring up about all of this. Oh man, I don't remember. It was such a good one too. Okay, anyway, yeah, that, that's gone. <laughs> well, you know what? I have a feeling we're gonna have you on more in the future. Maybe even like once every like uh, quarter or something, bring on Rob with some great dating and relationship advice. You know, to me, this is the one area like I've always told people like, hey, like I always hear people complimenting us Asian men for being like smart, for being caring, for, you know, kind of not ruffling things. But I rarely hear or actually not rarely. I've never heard someone go, you know what? Asian men are super passionate. Asian men are super empathetic. Asian men are super romantic, you know? So this is why I feel like what you're doing here, this type of work is really important because the world has a lot of, you know, successful entrepreneurial Asian men. Now it's time to show a different facet of Asian men. So with that said, I kind of did a commercial for you. For all the people listening right now that wants to raise their EQ, that wants to have fuller relationships, that want to hire Coach Rob. Rob, how do they get in contact with you? Okay, first, I remember the thing. Um, is it cool if I spill that right now? <laughs> of course, of course. We okay. set the rules here. We don't need to ask permission. Go for it. <laughs> All right. So the thing I remembered was when I first started off, it was like a bunch of rules that I had to memorize about how long I hold eye contact, whether or not I'm mirroring someone. Am I asking enough questions? Am I asking too many questions? So it's an interview. How's my inflection doing? And because I was so obsessed about those rules and thinking about how I should reply in an optimal way, I actually missed out on every opportunity to be present and really connect with someone. And I think that's the danger with the way that a lot of dating is presented. Yes, I love that. It's, it's how can you be present if you're thinking of 10 different variables in your head, right? And the only variable you need to worry about is that person in front of you. Yeah, like it's impossible to show any personality, even for me when I'm worrying about like looking bad or saying the right thing. Like I'm just so caught up in my head that I'm robotic and weird. And when you can begin to set that aside and just be genuine and react the way that you're going to react and trust that it'll be okay, that makes it way, 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 way easier. And if you want to get in contact with me and find out more about what I'm up to, you can go to greatdateguy.com. I'm actually running a survey with five questions. I want to hear more about your dating experience. And if you complete those five questions, it'll unlock a $250 session one-on-one -on -one with me where we can figure out a way to unlock your charisma, your personality, your personal power. Yes, yes. So unlock your charisma, 
unlock your personal power. And I could say this stuff works. And how do I know? Well, I've hired Dr. Rob as a coach of mine. He coaches me and not specifically in the area of relationships, um, but actually what he's coached me in has helped with relationships of all different types with my wife and the business world. It's given me more clarity. So I've experienced Rob's coaching. You have my seal of approval. It's the greatdateguy.com. Is that correct? Almost. No the, so just greatdateguy.com. Okay. And what about your social channels? If people want to see more of your content, are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Where else can they find you? Yeah, I think the best way would be to go to my link tree. So that's linktr.ee slash greatdateguy. And it has links to all this stuff. Okay. Okay. You know what? Even though I know you used to be a marketer, I feel like it's my job to help you market. So everyone, you go to Rob's uh, a social link tree site. You go check out his website. If you guys want fuller, more richer, more just fulfilling. Did I say that yet? No, I said fuller, but fulfilling relationships. Check this man out. And you might have to wait because I have a feeling people are going to be booking him left and right. So Rob, before we sign off for today, are there any last words that you want to say to all these badass Asian dudes that are listening right now? Hmm. I think, I think my intention for you, if, if you're out there and you're still trying to figure out your dating life, or you think that you might be boring or that there's something wrong with you, um, I would love for you to leave this podcast with a sense that there's nothing to fix and there's nothing wrong with who you are. Um, Mm. I think that there's always areas for us to improve, but that like that guilt is what sabotages us the most, more than anything. So if you don't leave with anything else, it's that you're not broken. It's okay to be you. And yeah, I would love to have a conversation with you just about random things. All right, guys, and I'm going to add one more tip. And this is one thing I really like about Rob is, and this is something that I need to remind myself is, just because someone asked me a difficult question doesn't mean I need to answer it right away. So one thing I love about you, Rob, is I'll ask a question and you will have no issue just taking some time to gather your thoughts before answering. And so many other people I see just try to answer right away. And it's very obvious that they haven't thought through their answers. So that's one thing that I saw from you that I think everyone on this podcast could really learn from, which is, hey, if you're asked a difficult question, you don't need to answer right away. Go ahead, take a little bit of time, gather your thoughts, and then answer. So Rob Wong, thank you so much. Man, I couldn't even pronounce your last name. Rob Wong, thank you very much for joining the Badass Asian Dudes podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys like this podcast, please hit the like button or the share button or do something to make this algorithm boost us up in the rankings. And next week, we'll be back with another great guest. All right, we are out. Peace.